0: Well, I know MMP won't make me a counter. I know, this this will get them inspired when I let them know what I'm doing here at school. They're going to just have to make me a counter then. Yeah. Good
1: morning, Mr. Kleinschmidt.
0: Oh, time for homeroom already?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, hi, everyone. Hi. 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 everybody. How was your weekend, hey?
1: All right, have a seat. All right, let's
0: go. Let's get started. to get out of here. School. Uh, first up here in homeroom, you know we always do the pledge. Although this time I have a pledge that's a little bit different. You'll notice, but from now on we're going to do this pledge of allegiance. Okay? This is what we're going to be doing. All right, rise to the pledge. Ready?
1: I, I pledge allegiance to the logo of multi man publishing and to the games that they produce, especially Advanced Squad Leader. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads, the one and only podcast on the net dedicated to the greatest game in the entire universe, Advanced Squad Leader. I am Jeff. And I'm Dave. And we are your hosts. And Dave, you know what we're going to do tonight? What What are we doing tonight? We meeting? are going to talk about Advanced Squad Leader, the greatest game in the world. Again? Yes.
0: That's like all we talk about on this show. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. I know, it's getting to be a habit. oh well, it's May 24th, 2010. Mm-hmm. And we are in the Chicago area. Recording episode 37. Yes, 37. Happy to be here. You're looking well. Thank you. And so are you. Have you been playing any squad leader lately?
0: Well, yes, I've been back into it a little. I noticed in... in um...
1: Back into it? Were you out of it? Did you fall yeah, out of
0: April, it? Yeah, April, I didn't have one game.
1: Whoa, really? my list, yeah. Has that ever happened before? No. Whoa.
0: I don't think so. There was the um, long Saturday days like the ASL Open. Yeah. And the, well, we played a fourth of a game that day. But yeah. that didn't count. And the Little Wars, right, was a Saturday.
1: Right, yeah, so Little Wars. You didn't play squad later on, then. So, right. right.
0: Yeah. But May has been back.
1: Sure. Back, I bet Laura's uh worried about you. No, I don't think she actually noticed. Really? You think?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's still
1: gone all day. Wouldn't that be days. something if she came up to you and said, Dave, you know what, honey, you haven't been playing squad leader and don't think I haven't noticed. I'm worried about you. I do
0: have a friend who quit painting miniatures and his wife actually was worried about him.
1: Really? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, so he's kind of given up on this
0: <laughs> gaming and painting thing and... Wow. Well, he did ask for a divorce later. So oh. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Oh. But. oh that's too bad. But she well, missed. that's, uh, I'm glad you're then back into it. I didn't realize you were out. I, I guess I didn't notice either. Well, so you I'm You were not, with I, me for two of those days. Yeah, but. I know. I still didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been playing a little bit. I played uh, Rich Spilkey a couple of weeks ago a, a uh, scenario called Brandenburger Bridge which yes, was one of the yeah one of the scenarios is it a classic mm-hmm. yeah of course well i knew. i knew that
0: goes, uh, i think it goes back to the original let me guess route report that came out from the M P guys before they were official their amateur magazine i think i could be wrong
1: well you're just like you know what even well, if you're wrong you speak with such authority it makes me want to take whatever you say to the bank i'm going to look it up on the um are you going to look it up right now?
0: Yeah. The okay, ASL. I'll just talk
1: to myself what's, for a while. <laughs> while <you're laughs> what's it? The roar. Yeah. ASL roar. All right. Well, while you're doing that, I'll talk about Brandon. No, I'll talk about Brandon Berger Bridge yeah. while you're. It went good. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I see. I've got this thing. I like playing Squad Leader. I really do. And it's a good thing because we're doing a podcast about it, but. I wouldn't say that I really look forward to marathon uh, squad leader, I know you, don't. you know, engagements. Right. And so when I go to Rich's, and Rich is very much into that. I and mean, he will he would gladly play from dawn till dusk and beyond. In fact, I talked to him yesterday, and he played Streets of Stalingrad, which he and I played with two other guys a couple uh-huh. of months ago. He played it again with those same two guys. He was hoping to have a partner, but I couldn't make it, and... Um, so he, he played by himself against these two guys. And he said they started at 2.30 and they ended at 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. long And I thought, day. whoa, whoa. But he said they did stop for, for dinner. <laughs> so I'm sure. Right. Probably beans out of a can. So I always, uh, when I go to Rich's, I, I always make sure that, you know, I tell him that, I can play for about five hours, maybe six hours, but that's really, that's it. That's all I can handle. I don't have the endurance. I, maybe I should go into training. I need to develop very powerful muscles that allow me to sit for long periods of time. So, but we had a good time with Brandenburger Bridge. I lost. Uh, he beat me rather handily. There is, um, this is the first time I had any experience with uh, aerial combat. He had a stuka. Two Stukas, perhaps. Oh. I can't remember now. And um, you know how, how some of these, uh, how you have a lot of these armored fighting vehicles that have any aircraft guns on them?
0: Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm noticing. Wait, wait, wait. I'm noticing.
1: Hello? Hello? There's a the whole. Am I the only one here? Hello?
0: There's a thing called Battling Bastards of Baton. F- Sounds like something, uh, Spiro Agnew would say. I never heard the of that. The battling thing.
1: bastards of Baton. Oh no, that was, that was Walter Cronkite imitating Spiro Agnew. Boy, you can't find <laughs> that anywhere on the net other than here. Anywhere his Stukas came in, but my anti-aircraft gun, I moved up too quickly and, you know, it blew. He, he blew it up. Imagine that. Okay. And I, I, and I was hoping to blow up the bridge because I had uh, some OBA. I had a 70-millimeter OBA with an offboard observer, and I thought I could blow up the bridge because that would have won me the game instantly. I thought I could win this on turn one, but uh, that never happened. Anyway, we had a good time. And I But encar- those Stukas are nasty. The Stukas are fun. Yeah. And I, I, lo- I love air. We'll do
0: a show about, about um, aerial attacks sometime Okay. about air support. Um, and it was from the original route report scenario.
1: Here, I'm going to give you a gold star.
0: No, You might have had a different I can't. Version. Let me just give you a kiss. You keep that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. We're men here. We're men. Now, you're probably wondering, what is its record on Roar? No, actually. No, I'm not. No. Yes, you are.
1: Okay, yes, I am.
0: And it is. As I find it again?
1: Yeah. We'll wait here. You you at home, you can just amuse yourselves in some fashion, however you see fit. We really don't want to know exactly what you're doing. Do we? No, we don't. don't.
0: It is often played. Russian, 45. (laughs) Oh. German, 28.
1: Oh, really? So, that's not so bad. Russians, 45. They win 45. Times. Yeah, well
0: yeah of people who submitted to the rap report yeah. look how often it's played see yeah. it is a popular scenario
1: well it's uh i i i broke that statistic <laughs> by, by losing <laughs> but um rich is great to play with i learned a lot and we had fun and we're going to be playing this coming weekend we just picked a scenario i can't remember the name of it but i'll let you know how that goes on the next show
0: all right what else um, have we been- oh the hakapale um update uh, seems to be that we're taking a break. Dave Timmon and I, we played another uh, game, Arisons to the Rescue, which had those, these, well, they're like sleds the Russians oh, yeah. had with the fans in the back that propelled them. Oh, right. Um, and... Rosebud.
1: <laughs> we, not that, not kind, not of that sled. kind
0: of sled. Okay. And we... uh Emailed that in, and then I asked what was up, if anything new, and he said, well, we're pretty much on hold. They're wrapping up a few
1: Who he, Lars? I'm sorry, Lars. Okay.
0: And I said, well, then we have permission to take a break, and we'd like to play something different. And he said, yeah, certainly do. And then they'll start up working on some other thin scenarios for, like, the journals later on.
1: Well, that was nice of Lars to to grant you uh, (laughs) some leave.
0: Permission. Leave of absence. So yeah, I won't be playing the Finns for a little while. I think when the game comes out, we'll play them all again, as we've said before. But.
1: That'll be a relief, sort of, won't it? Though to get, yes, get some time in to play some other things. So what are you going to delve into? You got something well, in he,
0: mind? Well, Dave mentioned the Lefranc tour. He said, well, "How about those French
1: things you talked about on the podcast?" Yeah, I like to call them those French things because I can't <laughs> Lefranc, can't say Lefranc uh,
0: so I said, yeah, let's let's do the Russian Revolution back.
1: Oh, yes, which you got so, so excited about when yeah. we opened that. Yeah,
0: so I think I'm going to Yeah, that looks that like one. fun. And then you and I will finish up our um, Action Pack 5 we've been playing.
1: For yeah, well, the summer's coming up. You've got some time off. I've got uh, Monday evenings open, and we're going to be playing regularly, which I'm very yep. excited about. We've actually got two dates on the calendar. Yep. So that's how you make it
0: happen. Most excellent. Well, what would you like to do first tonight, Jeff?
1: Why don't we play the closing music? And then...
0: No, that would be... Oh no! Two out of order.
1: Okay. Really, for my no, case. we don't want to do that. All right. Do you want your What's about in the a, Box? Yeah, let's do What's, what's in review? the Box. What? Ah. You like? You got a lot. You got. We got a lot on the on the or table. The main Oba. Got it. We're going to start some Oba. Oh my God. So open with. What's in the box? Well. That would, How do you say that? What's in the box? Ding ding What do you want? It's a Charlie in the box. Oh, let us we've got to do... I get to choose which... which... We'll do both. Oh. They're short. Okay. Really short. I want to do the uh, new Action Pack. Action Pack 6. And I will do From the Seller Pack 3. Wow. When did you get this Action Pack 6? I saw that it was... Uh, that they were mailing out, but I know you're, you're usually at the, bo- the bottom of the list. How does that happen? You no, know, this one came from Alex Key. Oh, it did. Okay. So probably you got it quicker even than from MMP.
0: I cut a deal. Well, yeah. I'm not as anxious anymore when a new product comes out. I'm getting kind of old. Oh. When I was younger. Next thing uh, you know, you'll I'm be so crotchety. Excited. Yeah. I'm working on crotchety.
1: Yeah. I still get really excited. I got to tell you. So I feel sorry for you. So you ordered this from Alex? Yeah. Yep. When did this come? Uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And. Did Laura call you at work and say, Dave, it's here. No. Honey? No. Call the principal's office. Could you put me through to Dave's room? It's an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, this is cool. Action Pack 6. My guess is this is number 6 in a line of action packs. ASL Action Pack 6. A decade of war, 1936 to 1945. Ten scenarios from that time. On the back... It says, A Decade of War, the sixth action pack for advanced squad leader, covers nearly ten years of worldwide conflict, from the 1936 fascist drive to capture Madrid during the Spanish Civil War. That sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. To Japanese engagements with the Allies in Asia and the Philippines, to the death throes of the Third Reich on the Eastern Front. The ten scenarios spanning this period were developed with tournament players in mind and are designed for an expert level of game knowledge. Okay, I'm going to hand this back to you. Well, you took a look <laughs> at the board, sir. Oh, oh expert. Expert? Sorry, I what? That. Thanks for the warning. I'm glad they warned me. Anyway, so I know to avoid this. Actually, I, I, I think I'm going to go to uh, run over to Games Plus, our local st- stone and, no, what do they call it, brick and mortar? Uh-huh. I was going to call it stone and sand store and buy this. So this comes with 3 double Double-sided? Double-sided? All right. Uh, yes. I gotta look Take a at look. this. Alright. I'm let's... opening up <gasps> I have never seen such a thing. thing. Look at the shape of that map. This map board is totally different from anything I have seen before. Yes, these are those much anticipated weird maps. <laughs> wow. Here's board one A and I'm turning it over uh-huh. because normally on the back there's just pictures of girls. <laughs> But it's more geomorphic stuff on the back. But now flip it again and look closer. Okay, there's one A and one B. Oh, and actually, keep looking at the two sides. They're very similar. I think they're the same. You think they're the same, or are we supposed to do one of these things? Like what? One of these things is not like the other, or aren't they the same? It's like in the. So I don't get it. Are they okay? Well, let's let's say this one's a misprint. Let me look at this. Okay, here you take 1A. Now I'm going to look at 2A and 2B. <laughs> That's right, Jeff. If you flip them really fast, this is the way astronomers it's find uh, stars in is the it? old days. They would compare the photographic plates from so why, one month to the next. Why do we have... Remember that in Highlights double? magazine when you were a kid? And they'd have two pictures and you'd have to pick out what was different between the two yeah, pictures. Yeah, I loved those, actually. Yeah. Maybe this is like that.
0: Well, I was looking for conversions. Like maybe the grain became orchard?
1: Yeah. No. no?
0: Don't see any difference.
1: Well I'd I'd like an explanation. I would like an explanation too. And there's the sheep. A decade of war is not a complete product and assumes the buyer owns the core ASL squad leader game system and everything else. Well, I'm I'm a little confused by this that they're the same. I don't really uh
0: and they're not even like the opposite the same. Or yeah, they're mirror not imaged mirror imaged.
1: No, they're other identical. They're the same. It's a bit of a mystery <laughs> going on here. Well, this is a what's in the box? That's a mystery. This is more like what's the heck in the what the heck is in the box? So if one side wears out, you have the other side? Oh, there you go. Good thinking. I'm surprised they haven't done this before.
0: There has to be something to this. We are just too stupid to figure out. Now, take a look at that though. All right. Now he's looking at the
1: Australian Balancing System. Correct. Do you remember what that was? Well, I remember the, the uh, I'm thinking of the amazing Walendas, who would tightrope between buildings. It's not that. No. No. Okay. I don't really remember what the Australian Balancing System is. It
0: was, it came out from, I think of maybe a third-party product at first. There was some issued Australian Balancing, Victory, uh, no, New <laughs> Okay. Here, we'll zer, zer,
1: let me rewind us. Ah. Um,
0: balance, their new balancing system, where you can pick amongst three progressively more challenging balancing options. Ah. So if you're convinced the Germans will always win, Yeah. you can bid on it. R1, add, which oh, is I Russian see. 1. Okay. Add one ATR and a DC. Okay. Now, if you don't think that's enough or if I'm still convinced I could always win with the N, who's that, Norwegians? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Norwegians. Uh, I can offer R2, which is R1, the ATR and the DC, plus exchange the 9-1 neg for 9-2 leader. Oh. And if I'm still convinced they could never win, I would offer up R3, which is R2, R1 and R2, and put radios on the nationalist armor-fighting vehicles. So, so these are Russians. This is um, the Spanish Civil War, right? The nationalists versus the Republicans. Right. Yeah, so ours is Republican. Yeah. That's right. And it would be nationalists. Okay.
1: Well, I would so take... See, that I, mean, can, I can tell you right now, I would take R two plus C-3PO <laughs> if I'm going to win this. <laughs> that would give it too much of an edge. Yeah. So, if
0: gives you a lot more options. I always like the Australian balancing system.
1: So you've played these before? Uh, and
0: Back again, someone issued them for the original 10 scenarios yeah. that came with Beyond Valor. Huh. I cut them out and glued them onto my cards, scenario cards. You're a good boy. I, you know, and I and I, I always liked the option to have it.
1: Yeah. Well, interesting. My, well,
0: they're not printed on the cards, though.
1: Yeah, they're, they're printed, printed on separately. A side sheet,
0: right? Yeah. So, yes, you could issue them for all kinds of scenarios.
1: Huh. Okay. Well, that's very fascinating. I would like to know more. Well, moving on, then, to the scenarios. There are ten scenarios, obviously, and uh, the first one, Far From Home. Yeah, Spanish Civil War. Look at that. And these are elements of the Edgar-Andre Battalion.
0: Edgar Allan Poe?
1: <laughs> no, the... No, the no, Edgar Andre Battalion. I wonder if that was his last name. Battalion. Oh, Andre. He, he
0: Um. He was in that movie, The Princess Bride. The really big guy.
1: <laughs> yes, right. That's right. Which he, he would have a huge advantage. And then elements of the Ernst Thalman Brigade. You know, I don't. I really don't know anything about the Spanish Civil I, War. Do you know much about it? No. Yeah. No. I don't know. It seems like Spain always gets the short end of the stick in uh, social studies and history throughout. Uh, elementary school and high school. We uh, After Columbus, we never heard about Spain again.
0: Well, the empire started to fall apart. Spanish-American um, um, War. Spanish-American War.
1: Yeah, I don't really know anything yeah, about that Yeah, they don't either. teach that. I teach it, but yeah. the rest of them don't. Yeah, most of them
0: don't. <laughs> they don't even know it themselves. I
1: remember uh, Teddy Roosevelt going up San Juan See, Hill, but uh, other than that, that I don't know anything about it. So I, I, I'm sure it's very interesting. There's just war going on all the time everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, Scenario here is AP-54, it's called 800 Heroes, takes place in Shanghai, China. This looks interesting.
0: What year, elements, I'm sorry? Huh,
1: uh, 1937.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. And these are elements of the uh, Oh, the Chinese. I, I haven't seen this emblem for the Chinese yep. before. Yep, this that's is the a Chinese s- emblem. Really? Yeah. Nationalist China? Like the standard,
0: uh, yeah, the, the official Chinese. I didn't know that. Not the Rebels or the communist forces. Oh, okay.
1: They well, did not know that. This was China then before communism.
0: Yes, civil yeah. war probably. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, the fighting Japan. Yes. Yeah, Japan was in there way early. The Mukden incident. There was a train. Uh, you know. Yeah, they had Manchuria, Manchukuo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, a section that was occupied by Japan early, real early. For resources. Uh, Japan needed resources from the
1: mainland. Uh, yeah, it's amazing, I know. I shouldn't be on this podcast. Because? Well, I don't know anything about this stuff. Well, that's why we're learning together. Yeah. I'm actually reading a book right now called A Brief History of World War II. That starts, uh, that's uh, a very general overview of World War II. Just to get myself to fill in some of these blanks. I mean, I know some, I know about some specific things. Yeah, you've but, read specific campaigns yeah, right. and battles. Right. Right. But not. But there's a lot of this the, this kind of stuff that happened in China and Japan. All that stuff's covered in this book. So um, anyway,
0: this scenario I'm looking at shows how the boards are used. One B is laid. It's actually the width of a half board, so you can lay these half boards in conjunction with these new. Oh, I see. More square looking boards. Yeah.
1: Have you actually can laid these B boards is. out with the board? No, Any I of these no. configurations? No, I I, it's just it going to throw me off.
0: But it's unique and and offers a lot of new
1: options. Yeah, some innovation coming into the game. I wonder who was behind this idea.
0: Well, these are all designed by Gary Fortenberry. Gary Fortenberry goes way back. He, uh, at one point, was running the ASL Annual. I put out several issues of it. He was the editor and producer, and he had his own fanzine also, A-Slug. Advanced Squad Leader Union of Gamers. Put oh. A lot of great scenarios wow. that later on he put into the annual, which I liked. A lot of people hate that because, oh, we already have that product, but I love it when it third parties get into the official annuals. Yeah. I, know, I think I like it. It gets a bigger audience for them.
1: He goes way back? Yes. i got to tell you He this. took
0: a break for a while, and he's back again into the ASL world. Welcome back, Gary.
1: i got to tell you this true story. This is an aside. We can cut this out. I was with a friend of mine. About 20 years ago, we went to Washington, D.C. We drove there together, and we wanted to see the sights. Probably 30 years ago. We went to, we took a tour of the White House. And uh, we're going through the White House, and so we got to the ballroom. I don't know, can't remember what they call it, but it's the ballroom. And there was nothing in there at this time except for this big table. And the guy was, talk, was talking about the ballroom, this tour guide. And my friend goes up to him, and he says, how far back does that take? Table go about six
0: feet, and the feet. guy
1: said, "I'm not kidding." Goes all the way to the wall. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I'm not kidding, and he wasn't kidding. I mean, he what He, just, the way he, he just says that at that yeah, moment. Oh, it goes all the way back to the wall. And my friend said, "Oh, oh, thanks." And then he came over to me, and I, I heard this, and I just thought, I, "I can't have heard that right. It's too good to be true." <laughs> So I haven't been back to Washington since then. It's more than I <laughs> well, can Well, don't take. let
0: that keep you away. Jeff. Oh,
1: okay. All right, I shouldn't can the whole city based upon that. All right. Anyway, some great looking scenarios there. I thumbed through them all. Do you want me to read any more of those?
0: No, I'm I'm yeah. good. Uh, three boards, Australian and, balancing,
1: and this is uh, provisions
0: and ten scenarios. We'll yeah, and
1: these cool new boards. I mean, and it's thirty five dollars for this action pack by the way which yes, is seems very a little reasonable.
0: steep to me oh. you think so well it's new boards it's new boards but 35 bucks what were the other ones i don't know
1: i don't know but i had this idea that they should i think they should give away starter kit one it should oh, be free just get people into it get people it. into it
0: that's not a bad idea yeah. Perhaps, of course it's
1: easy for me to spend money, their money it's not money out of my <laughs>
0: pocket <laughs> Well here from the seller pack 3
1: more what's in the box
0: yes and we've had this one for a little while finally getting around to it
1: our box runneth and over
0: and what you'll see jeff
1: and i'm sorry this is from
0: lefranc Tourer.
1: that that's just a company that keeps on giving
0: yes it certainly we certainly didn't we didn't
1: have to buy that one did we
0: uh this was a wonderful donation from our friend xavier yeah that's VT. great yeah, In his opening, he says the Waffen-SS fielded some of the best soldiers in World War II, but also some of the worst. And that is true. They had a lot of recruits that they pulled in from different places around the world, which struck me as very odd. Hmm. Right? The SS was supposed to be like the core Hitler fanatic
1: groups. Yeah, that was my
0: understanding. And yet they'd go around and find these anti-communist people who could buy into this super-nationalist concept, and they could be from other countries and they brought them in and made them into units and they all did not perform as well of course mm-hmm. as the German ones but what you have here are some <laughs> historical notes on the vehicles that are French now issued in black to go with your SS counters so as the SS captured French vehicles oh took them into their own army you have a actually here's a T34 so that's a Soviet one issued in black for the German SS to use, as well as a, they call them Panzerkampfwagen B2, Panzerkampfwagen 35S739. That was a French one vehicle, and a whole bunch, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, well, seven vehicles issued like that.
1: like <clears throat> a good use of, uh, a good practice of uh, recycling. And they may as well. I mean, the French <laughs> had, the, had the biggest... They did standing army, well, very well provisioned army at the beginning of World War II. So you're you're opening that like it's diamond necklace. I'm
0: opening the tray of counters, which have come out of their binding. These pop out really easy. None of these, you know, corners very clean here.
1: Yeah, very clean cuts.
0: Still want to use your corner cutter. Yeah. To get them nice and roundy. Oh yeah. But still uh, issued here some flaming tanks. In black to go with the SS. Oh, let me
1: see that. Let me get, let
0: me right, give me that. Give me that right now. And then the aforementioned. Oh, that's
1: beautiful. These are flaming
0: tanks. For your burning wreck counters. There is a section of German colored counters. EZB-2740 was French. Oh, it's also issued in the normal um, gray for the Germans, as well as in the black. And you get gray colored turk covered arc counters, so you don't have to use the white ones. White you can one. use the colored. Yeah. And there's a whole slew of leaders here. I don't see a Clinch uh.
1: Dave, you're going to have to change. Hyper, 10-neg-3.
0: Yeah, i changed it to Piper.
1: Yeah.
0: Wunschi. These are, look historical. Meyer, 10-neg-2. Those sound like uh, Battle of the Bulge names of the generals there, if I remember correctly. And I'm two, sure you do. And two black Panzerfaust counters to mark your Panzerfaust on your tracking sheet where you track the number of Panzerfaust shot off.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, actually I was going to ask you later if you ever use the track, the, uh, the tracking sheet. No. Why is that? I, I remember yeah. where we are. It's such like a nice, colorful thing. It is. I'm going to get it out and start using it. I haven't. People have been teaching me wrong. They've been leaving that off, and I feel a little gypped.
0: Well, you can add it in.
1: Yeah, I'm going to add it in. So that's cool. Those counters are very cool. And then, uh, 10 scenarios.
0: What kind of locations? What kind of years on that?
1: Well, let's see. Uh, I don't know if these are in order. I'll take a couple. Here, okay. Here's a FT 101, Fire and Ice, uh, Battle in Yugoslavia, boards 15 and 9. These are elements of the, uh, all the partisans against the Germans. Looks like a nice scenario. Five and a half, or, uh, yeah, five and a half turns. And um, not very many counters should be very easy to play. Looks like the uh, partisans are, are dug in and the Germans have to move in and capture buildings, of course. What else?
0: Yeah, I've got uh, Budapest, Hungary, 1944, Germans and Hungarians against Russians in a city. Another one, against, well, Bulgarians against the SS, Prince Eugen Division.
1: Here's one, the French, against the SS, and this uses board PB. What's what's this board PB? That
0: is that from? the Pegasus Bridge board.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why I didn't know, because I don't have that much. Any other
0: weird boards? Mine um, standard boards on these four that I have.
1: Yeah, standard so boards. So these
0: be playable.
1: I kind of feel like, uh, and I, I don't know if they do it, but I kind of feel like they should list, uh, I don't know, they should list the boards needed on the outside of the package. On the outside of the package. Yeah, that would be helpful. To I be mean, involved. that's the thing is I don't have a lot of these boards. For a while, Multiman was going to was going to issue an entire pack of the boards. Yeah, it was then, on the pre order for a long time. I don't yeah. know what happened to that plan. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to
0: have an interview with Chaz and find out. Yeah,
1: let's call him. Oh, Chaz. So
0: yeah, this is a must for special USS fans. Expand and your SS.
1: How much is counters. this? I don't have that here. Uh, let me look it up. All right, we just looked that up. That is uh, 25 euros currently on the LFT website, which converts, as of this moment, to about $31 U.S., So plus shipping. Well, that's a deal. You get a bunch yeah. of counters with
0: that, high-quality product again. Yeah. Fantastic, both these
1: products. But you should probably just order from Alex Key. Probably a good way to get it, and, and there's probably other spots to get well, it as well.
0: And yeah, this one—the older these are, the fewer of them there are around.
1: Yeah. yeah so, yeah, this LFT product is great. We really urge people—they've been so generous to the show and, and giving us things to review and to talk about—and uh, we hope you'll buy some of their products. Maybe drop them an email and say, "Hey, aren't those two half squats great, guys?" <laughs> Even if you don't think that. So that's what's in the box. Ah, that was a good one. Every day is like Christmas here in the broadcast foxhole. Speaking of, shall we do the book review? Oh, there's more? Oh, man.
0: We have Over the Battlefield, Operation Bluecoat, Breakout from Normandy. Wow. And this is written by ASL's own Ian Daglish.
1: Ian Daglish, wow.
0: Who has been published in several issues of the journal.
1: Okay, so he wrote this whole book.
0: Yes, and it's a big book too. (laughs) Look at all the words, but look at all the pictures. All right, this is the third in a series of books that he has published regarding the Normandy stuff with the Bocage and all. Hmm. First one being Operation Goodwood, second one being Operation Epsom. Box art on this wonderful book. What do you think,
1: Jeff? Oh, I love the cover. Isn't it great? Yeah, great cover. Truly great.
0: Yeah this montage or uh, collage Collage. kind of thing of Mm -hmm. a spitfire, some photographs on film of the battlefield from the air, and below, the image changes with each book that he has issued or published. So they have a similar theme to the artwork, but it's just a nice color selection, goes together well. Yeah. Very nice. And in this book, he covers in depth lots and lots of the battles as they pushed well the whole campaign from beginning to end of of operation blue coat
1: and what was blue coat blue coat was yeah blue coat was the uh, an operation run by the british mm-hmm. to take pressure off of the us forces that were making a a push so by by uh, concentrating these bu- british forces they were hoping to draw a lot of the germans <clears throat> away from a push that the Americans were making. This was a 2 corps operation, eighth corps consisting of the 11th Armored and Guards and the 15th Scottish Infantry Division. Their objectives were Saint-Martin, Saint-Martin de besquez uh Foret Le beni Bocage and Vire. And this book will if that's cover their all their their exploits. Skirmishes,
0: exploits, yeah. wow. battles as they fight their way through. Very, very thorough. One of the things it does is, is like this, can I read a little portion to you? Yeah,
1: please.
0: A small but important part of the offensive capability remaining to the 21 Panzer was an attached unit, three company of schwer panzer along 503 with its complement of 13 operational Tiger. At 69 tons, this King Tiger was by a considerable margin the heaviest battle tank of the Second World War. It carried the same 8.8 cm, 88, as the Jagdpanther, but in a fast-rotating turret. Its frontal armor was up to 185 mm thick, even more than that of the Jagdpanther. The massive tank was not invulnerable in its first appearance on any battlefield in a failed counterattack against the British on 18th of July. Two had been cleanly penetrated by flank hits. One other was immobilized, while a fourth later succumbed to friendly fire and was rammed by a Sherman and was abandoned before being finished off by yet another British tank. Nevertheless, many more Cornix Tigers in Normandy were to be abandoned by their crews after mechanical breakdown than were lost to anti-tank fire. Wow. That kind of research he's done and background, and you can just hear squad leader right there. Oh, yeah. With the red movement numbers for the breakdown. Right, the you DEW
1: said 185-millimeter 100, armor? Thick
0: armor, frontal armor, up to... That's 7 inches. 180, that's a lot. That's, a powerful <laughs> tanks. That's amazing. Powerful <laughs> tanks. So There's one example of the kind of background you're going to get on the equipment yeah. that you're going to find in the war, as well as these maps that you're seeing, aerial shots superimposed with movements of troops, tons of battle photos, um, battle attack plans laid out here in the book, Mm -hmm. and he's taken even pictures then versus pictures now and laid them side by side, Wow! showing the battlefield today and the battlefield then. And there's also commentary like this. I'll read one more section. Sergeant Buck Kite commanded one of the tank troops. As the barrage lifted, he managed to get his crew to scramble back aboard their Sherman, while others were diving for cover under their tanks rather than into them. With a clear view of the approaching enemies, Kite, that's his name, had his gunner traverse and fire. Quote, I managed to halt the two tanks I'd first seen. They got out of it, but whether they were hit or whether they had reversed out of the fields onto the road, I don't know. In any case, by this time, three more had appeared. And he intersperses the quotes from the men in the battle. Oh, that's nice. And their narration as they go along. Great footnoting that are actually fun to read. Footnotes. And in the back of the book here... He has appendixes of German tactics, um, views from the different sides of the war, German combat tactics here in Normandy, uh, notes about the army maps and map references, hand-drawn maps that are included in this that he's uncovered, and notes about the maps, for example. One one thing, they weren't always as accurate as they would hope they could have been. Yeah, And another thing is the way they did their... References in a four figure reference, the first two digits indicate the longitude and correspond with the matching pair of digits on the horizontal edges of the map. Third and fourth digits are latitude. So when they list numbers like six, seven, four, two, that indicates the longitude, latitude. Check your map, you find it's Beni Bocage. They're the town of Le Beny Bocage. And that's the way they had done all their map notes for the British. The role of armor and direct fire in this battle, armor reconnaissance in Normandy. These are yeah, these these are just the appendices. So really enjoyable book, lots of detail, and outstanding resource for planning you your scenarios for new scenario designers out there.
1: And it says here, I'll just read the back, Ian Daglish. Read history at Trinity College, Cambridge. He has since written extensively about the Normandy campaign of 1944, uh, and he lectures. He lives in Adderley Edge in Cheshire, and this book, Operation Blue is available in hardback on Amazon.com for uh, $31, and also available in paperback for $16. Oh, it is five. in paperback. Now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, maybe we'll put a link on the show. Yeah, maybe. Something something kinda unique. Probably you you probably don't have a book like this in your collection. You should get this
0: one. And maybe one day we'll get an interview with the author. Oh, that would be awesome. Author.
1: Yeah. That'd be great. And that's book review. Very nice, Dave. i g I'm gonna give you an A. Thank you. Gotta <laughs> get these done. I get Jeff. Gotta get these done. done. Hey Jeff. Jeff, what I'm are you in, doing? I'm in here. What are you doing in here? I'm clipping counters. Using what? My nail clippers, Dave. I'm clipping counters.
0: Jeff, Jeff, we've got to get to the tournament. People are I expecting know, us. I know, I know. Our our fan base is there,
1: Dave, Jeff. Dave, I oh, cannot oh. go to the tournament with ragged corners on my counters. Leave but, me alone. I got to clip these.
0: But but all two of our listeners are there waiting to uh, hear I've only from got this?
1: 400 counters to go. Give me. Can you come back tomorrow?
0: No, 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 no. Here, 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 here. No,
1: it won't take here, eight here, here. hours. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. I'm Remember, the C4 corner cutter. Oh, the C4 corner cutter. I totally forgot. How could you have
0: forgotten? Here, here it is. Take the C4, Jeff.
1: I can cut hundreds of counters.
0: Hundreds of counters. Line them up right in there. All right. Hold that blade. All right. Ready, go.
1: Wow. Load in another five. There you go. This is amazing. Ten more. Oh, my gosh. Another pin. Can anything be easier? This is fantastic. This is a miracle. How did I ever get by without a C4 corner cutter? You
0: ready to go to the tournament?
1: Dave, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Don't let ragged corners ruin your next squad leader tournament. Get a C4 corner cutter from Counter Culture. When you order, mention the two half-squats, and they'll toss a dollar into the shipper. Yep, a buck in the box just for mentioning the two half-squads. And there's no time limit on this offer. Something else, the C4 has gone retail, so check with your local hobby or game store to see if they have it. Speed up the tedious task of clipping counters one at a time. Get the C4 Corner Cutter. Less time clipping means more time gaming. And a buck in the box, too. For more info, just click the link on our show site. Hey, you know what we haven't done in a long time, Dave, is box art review. Really? Yeah, we should do it sometime.
0: Like, right now?
1: There's it's, no time like the present. It's time for box art review. Ooh. Today. Wait a minute, I'm going to get a glass of sherry <laughs> so I can listen.
0: Good idea. Yeah.
1: And a cigar. <laughs> yes.
0: We have two box arts to review. Wow, and those are big. Big boxes. They are big. I'm sure, we're going to have time for that? Do you know what the big boxes mean, everyone? Big fun? Big fun in a big box. <laughs> I
1: don't know.
0: It means they're big. historical modules. Oh. From the good old days when the historical modules were big. And it's Comp Group Piper 1 and Comp Group Piper 2. Let's first look at Comp Group Piper 1. First of all, we
1: notice... Well, Rick, welcome. Oh, why, thanks. What are you doing here? I heard you guys were doing box art review, and I couldn't wait to be here. (laughs) Excellent, Rick. We're glad you could come. It's a little creepy. Did you just let yourself in? (laughs) Well, don't tell anybody.
0: (laughs) We see what season is. Looks like winter to me. You bet. Because this is the Battle of the Bulge. And look how nice and crisp and wintry this painting
1: looks. That's beautiful. What does comp group Piper mean? Any idea?
0: Yes. It was... Sh- now, I'll, I'll blow this totally, but it is General Piper, or he was the German Falscherm Commander Jägermeister Heine Kaboodle, who was leading the German troops. Oh, okay. And his Kampf Group means battle group. Right. And one means it's a two-part game. So, we notice this... I think it's a nice, crispy... Cold, chilly painting really captures that wintry look.
1: Almost looks like a photograph from this angle and from this distance.
0: You know, this is a fairly realistic painting. Yeah, You're it right is right are fairly
1: there. realistic. Yeah.
0: Now, compositionally, I suppose the triangle appears with the first <laughs> tank, but we do have this line of tanks going back in the di- in the distance. You do notice. Did you study geometry too, along yes, with we, art? Yes, of course. Yeah. Math it relates to everything, Mister yeah. Hallett. Okay. but he still can't add. No, so still has addition <laughs> problems. We do see, look, at as things get further back in the distance, they grow... They f- appear smaller. Fainter, smaller <laughs> and fainter. They appear smaller and fainter because the very air would cause them to become grayer. Even on a clear day, you'll notice this phenomenon. Now, here in the Battle of the Bulge in the Ardennes, we have a misty day. Lots of mist rules being used in this game. Ladies and gentlemen, historically, very accurate painting. Wish I knew the tank type. It, should, it looks as if it's not a, is it a Panther? No, it's a, I, I strangely don't know. I know my tanks pretty well. But we see a demolished Jeep in the foreground, which leads off the page to the right, off to the bottom, framing the tanks themselves. And this is not by... Our normal artist. Oh. I think he had passed away by then, right? Oh, really? I thought these... Don't these go back a few years? It does, but he has still passed away, Mr. Oh. Parrish. okay. This covered arc... Covered arc? Yes. <laughs> this turret-covered arc... This cover art <laughs> is by a man named Shin Ueda. Now, oh, okay. I hope that's his last name. Otherwise, it's some kind of abbreviation. Yeah. U-E-D-A. Shin Ueda. Hmm. I think he's a fine artist. Yeah. Painting style? A little um you could, you could kind of it's almost like some of the brush strokes seem to add to the crispiness of the winter scene. So it's a new artist, and I prefer his work over the artist of Comf group Piper 2. What do you think? Which one was
1: better, guys? Compositionally, I would say Comp Group Piper 1 is, uh, is a better piece. Yeah, isn't it though? Yeah, it just seems more balanced in the frame, the way it's framed. With the Jeep on the bottom. Yeah. yeah or the, the Piper 2 has all its stuff on the bottom.
0: Yeah, not even the bottom half.
1: Yeah, the the bottom third. third. Oh. Now there's
0: the rule of thirds concepts where thirds are good, but there's nothing in the upper third. There's nothing third in the middle third. Really. The graphics yeah. of the of the box, which are nice graphics, very German looking, comp screw
1: with the Iron Cross. They but, could, you know what they need right in the middle of there is a dragon, like a fire breathing dragon. Why, huh? Why? Dragons make everything better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it might help, a dragon crashing through the trees. Yeah. In the background, attacking the tanks with flame-throwing breath. It would be very, very exciting. But we don't have that, do no. we? No. And this artist is KM in a circle is his signature in the bottom, mm-hmm. and I don't have the rest of the box. I have a note on the inside of my box cover which says arrows are all wrong. See annual 96. So, if I play these scenarios, I'll remember the arrows are all wrong and look them up in Annual 96. Wow. Yep. It ain't working for me compositionally. No. It seems like it's, um, there's no, it looks fadey. It looks, um, you know, like it's airbrushed more mm-hmm. than like painted with a paintbrush, which probably, if that is true. The technology then for airbrushing wasn't as good as today with computer graphics they can do with this stuff. It's a Sherman with a blown-out maybe Panther, it's hard to tell, uh, with some debris and a lot of mist, which is historically accurate and and very nice. But it's not
1: bad. It's just
0: not as good as as
1: as 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 the first one.
0: Shin Ueda. Yeah. And they should have got Shin to do both boxes yeah. for
1: continuity. And that is box art review. Well, it's been a long time coming, but I think it's time that we talk about OBA. Off board artillery. Yep. Haven't I've been a little frightened of this one. Well, it's a. Long little rule section. Yeah. But a whole lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And if you if you want to have some fun, get into it. Though really, you know, and I've read through the rules pretty thoroughly, but if if it wasn't for the chart, I never would be able to figure this out. The chart is a marvelous piece of work. I I, it's hard for me to believe that they published the rules without the chart originally. Because I don't see how anybody well it's it's not my thing people figured it I out I know people could figure it out better minds than mind than mine. again, yeah, my friend Wally would teach me all this stuff. I would then I'd go back and read it and see if yeah. he had it right, which he always did. So. yeah, it's pretty amazing, though you know really the the rules are not that long. it's one, two, three, four, four pages plus a little bit more. But it's one long sentence. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but essentially, I mean, what is our off-board artillery, Dave? A bunch of big cannons. Yeah. Firing from off the board. Yeah. This would have been a good time for us to talk uh, with Rick. Rick Hollander. Oh who yes. Who was in? Who was in artillery? That is correct. Yeah. In the army we had him on last time we should have had him on this time as well <clears throat> but um, so what happens so with the off-board artillery what happens with off-board artillery it first of all it uh, you don't have off-board artillery in every single scenario it has to be designed it has to be assigned in the scenario rules uh, the scenario special S- rules ssr
0: ssrs yes. and with a radio for your leader
1: yeah so the ssr will say something specific such as the Germans get two modules of OBA or something like that, and uh,
0: it'll list the size, right? 100 yeah, usually it's it the size millimeter. 70
1: millimeter. Yeah, in the last uh, scenario that I played with Rich, as the Russians, I had a 70 millimeter offboard mortar. I was it the mortar? No, it wasn't. It was a 70 millimeter offboard though artillery, and I had an offboard ob- observer. So there's a couple of different ways that you get to use your offboard artillery. One is where you have a radio and a good order leader who has possession of the radio, who has to have a line of sight to where you want to call in the offboard board artillery. Uh, the other way is a good order leader who uses a field phone. And then the final way is well, I think there's actually a couple of extra ones, but where the observer is actually off the board. One would be a naval off-board artillery. Have you used that before, Dave? I have. Okay, and that would be a naval observer off-board, where actually the observer is obviously off the board as well, but still has to have line of sight. And the guns are all on ships. And the guns are on ships. Those are the big ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I had an off-board observer on mine, and one of the advantages... One of the things I like about that is you don't, you always have radio contact. You always have, you don't have to roll for it. But let's just go through the rules as the way they're set up in the book, sort of, kind of as a brief overview, Mm -hmm. and then maybe go to the charts. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Should we do that? Let's try that. We don't know how this is going to work, but we'll find out. Well, I have my notes starting at rule 1.5. Oh, that's great. So the way the rules are set up is first it talks about offboard artillery in general and what it is, and then it talks about radio attempt. And in if the SSR defines that you have uh offboard artillery with an onboard observer, you you will get one or more radio counters and or one or more phone counters. And a radio counter looks like a little radio and there's a number on it. And the one in the example let's uh writing the rule book, has an 8 on it. And all that means is you need to roll an 8 or under in order to establish radio contact with your offboard artillery. So, um, depending on the nationality that you have, and in some different circumstances, there can be some die-roll modifiers to that. So... Russians, for instance, have a lower radio contact number than the Germans, and it changes depending during the war right? yeah, depending on the year and you can look on the back of the counter and it'll tell you it might be a six or a seven or an eight, and then there might be some other things uh involved with that if uh, it's got to be a good order of the leader for one um There are dates, and isn't there something, there's one other thing, isn't there, that can determine radio contact? I didn't highlight it. And if you don't get radio contact, so if you roll higher than that number, then you just don't get radio contact that turn.
0: Yeah, I've never played a game where I've never gotten radio contact, but I have played one where I've broken my radio on boxcars. Right. Yeah, very frustrating.
1: But you can still fix it. Yes. There's a fixed number. There's a break number of 12, and then there's a fixed number on the other side. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I should, I, let me rephrase that. If you don't get radio contact, it doesn't mean that you don't get it for the rest of the turn. It just means you don't get it during that phase. Cause you can make, you can roll for radio contact either during the prep fire phase or during the defensive fire phase. So, whatever comes up next. I guess it would really be for that turn, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be. So, once you've established the radio contact, then you get to, get battery access so just getting radio contact alone doesn't mean you're going to get battery access and battery access so if you make the call on the radio they might and say no they might say no the yeah. battery's busy or nine. the battery ran out or you know we're out of stuff or you yeah, <laughs> know we're sleeping <Don't laughs> leave us alone don't bother us <laughs> so you and this is kind of interesting because for the for the battery access they go to a totally different way of determining that. You'd think, well, you just roll dice again, but you don't. Now in this, in this case, you use chits or you can use playing cards. Uh, and the standard way this works is you get, uh, five black cards and two red cards and you put them together in a little deck and you shuffle them up. And after you get radio contact, you get to draw from this deck blindly. You don't know what you, what you're going to draw, obviously. And if you get a black card, that means you get radio contact. If you get a red card, I'm sorry, you get battery access. If you get a red card, no battery access that turn. doesn't mean you're gone for good. However, if you pull the second red card on your next time, or whenever you pull that second one... That's bad news. That's bad news. Then you do not have battery access. You don't get to use your OBA anymore during the game.
0: Or ever if you came up with two
1: reds, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's gone for the rest of the scenario, so just... Now, I have
0: a method of that of using the battery access that um, draw that Jim McDermott and I used to like to do. He he invented it. He'd pick up that deck of cards I was supposed to draw off the top. Yeah. And he'd shuffle them. Yeah. And he'd fan them out in front of him and hold them up. And then I would draw from that fanned-out deck. And the beauty of that is you're getting to watch your opponent as he draws and going to, you know put his hand close to the red or to the black and, you know, a little we'll strategizing. And then we allow each other to reshuffle them before. And then sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I would always pull off the end so he would move the red chit, red card to the end, you know. Yeah. And then I would shift my, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. So I recommend that method. Yeah, it's like the, it's like a shell game. Yeah, a little shell yeah.
1: game going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, there are occasions where you have to make a second draw, though, in there. Yeah, that's when you
0: don't have a you don't see a enemy unit in the fire area
1: that's right if they are unknown unknown yeah if they're unknown if you've picked your target and where they are is is unknown then you have to draw again if you get a red one you don't get the battery access if you get another black one then you do get to have the battery access so that it just which kind of makes sense it just it, obviously as a as the player, you're omniscient, correct. But as the little got little people on the board, <laughs> obviously, can't see everything that the player can see, so they have to add that little extra,
0: yeah, and I think uh, the,
1: randomness to the, it. The
0: OBA crew is more reluctant to fire in if, they, if you're not sure you have a target,
1: right? right, right. And so as you go, each time you draw one of the cards from the deck, that card goes into a discard pile and doesn't get reshuffled back into the deck with the exception of that second card if you ever if you ever need to draw a second card to get battery access that one gets put back in the deck right but otherwise they get taken out so if you draw a red card first that gets taken out next time you draw that red card is not in there so kind of good kind of bad. But as you go along, obviously there's fewer and fewer cards in the deck. Eventually you're going to get that second red card and you're, you'll lose your your OBA for the rest of the scenario. So <clears throat> it's good if you just slip your opponent five bucks and have him give you the black card. <laughs> it's always good to know who's, who's, you know, who can be bribed. Um, so, and there are some chits uh, on the back of the DM counters. There's some black and red Markers that you can use instead of playing cards. If you don't yeah, want to use stick those them in a cup cards. and draw them out of a cup. Yeah. Now, as you as you go along, you have to maintain radio contact from turn to turn, and so you have to keep rolling for that radio contact. And if you lose radio contact, it doesn't mean you lose battery access necessarily. It just means for that particular episode, you do not have radio contact, and you just you. Move along. Uh, field phones are a little bit better, a little bit easier to use.
0: Okay, well, jump in f- the, for calling in when you lose when you try to get that radio contact again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a neg one on the die, right? Right. So it's easier to maintain. And oh, uh, that's right. And the OBA, if you have an FFE one in place from the last turn, which is fire for effect, we'll get into that in a little bit. Right. Um, then you you lose radio contact. Some people think you take the FFE off the board. Right. But it no. stays in place through the two, FFE-2, two, the second round of explosions. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's just like uh, as if you just lost radio contact yeah. with the, the battery. The crews
0: keep firing there. They keep firing. They
1: call the mission in. Right. Uh, now, for some reason, the rules put field phones at this point. I think they should have put them up with the radio With contact, the radios? I'm going to cut these out. Hand <laughs> hey, me those scissors. I'm going to fix this. <laughs> Change that up. Field phones are just are a little bit easier to use because the numbers are easier. You, uh, the German field phone, for instance, is you got to roll an eleven instead of an eight, which eight on the radio. So field phones much are a little easier. bit better. Yeah, much easier. There is a, a issue with the field phone though, and that is that the field phone is connected back to headquarters by wiring. So you, you <laughs> they've actually written into wire. the rules. They've figured a way so you can accidentally break your wire. So, and I just read through this the first time. I I don't think I've ever played with a field phone. But this says that there is a there is an imaginary line that you run on the board in a hex row or something. In or? in the hex row along with the field phone. And if you at any time get a die roll of Let's see, if you roll a original two for any sort of action that occurs behind that line. Like high explosives right. going off. And- yeah. You break the wire. Yeah. So, which is kind of cool. And then the field phone is removed. Can't use it again. Oh, yeah. So they, you don't, want to, they don't get to fix the wire. And- no. They don't have crews. They, the AT&T crew doesn't show By up. By the time they find that break. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll fix it for you. So assuming that you have maintained your radio contact or your field phone or you have an off-board observer who doesn't need to have either one of those, and assuming you've got battery access, the next thing you have to do is place a artillery request counter, which is a little counter, sort of looks like a, a sniper counter, and you place it on the board in the line of sight of your observer. So... Where you, where you want to place the round. And the artillery request round is just placed and then, so the artillery request is just, is just that. The observer has selected a point on the map where he would like the alt- artillery to hit and you place the artillery round, uh, the artillery request wow. counter there. And, yeah, I mean, if it's very obviously in the line of sight, you can continue, but if there is some question about it, you have to do, actually draw a line of sight, get out your thread, make sure there's line of sight there. If there's no line of sight there, you lose the artillery request, and you're done for the rest of that turn as far as uh, OBA is concerned. However, if you do have a line of sight there, then you can convert that artillery request to the spotting round, which is the little red counter. Put the spotting round in place and roll for accuracy. So now the roll for accuracy. I kind of like this part because just because you request an artillery um, impact at some point doesn't mean it's necessarily going to land there. So you roll for uh, for um, accuracy on that. I think that the standard roll is two or under. Is that right? You'd use one. Yeah. Guy. Some
0: na- some nationalities have a one or less.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you roll, I think the British, the Americans, the Germans, the French, I think it's two or under, some of the others are one or under. Yeah. And if you get accuracy, if it is accurate, then you can leave the spotting round there. But if it's not accurate, then you roll two dice. Just the way you would with uh like with a sniper. Like sniper. And on. yeah. And then the two dice, the white dice determines the direction. Colored direction, colored yeah, direction, right. Colored direction, white, white, distance. white distance. So then you, that is going to move your spotting round. Randomly. To, randomly, to wherever that is, and you better hope it's going the right way. So then you move the spotting round to that location and convert it to an FFE counter. for a, That's a fire for effect fire counter. Fire. And that's the, that's, that ends it at that point until your next turn where you can again go for your radiator contact your battery access and then hopefully you can actually have some boom booms going off so some other things to consider as the observer is the person uh, as the counter that is requesting the artillery to come in you have to be able to see where this is going obviously but you also have the uh, some options about blast height because whenever an impact is made from the offboard artillery, it has a blast height of two levels. Right. So if you're landing it in trees, or if it gets moved because of the accuracy out of your line of sight, you can st- you still have some options there for for placement or moving it if you can see that blast height. Am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, if you can't see, and so line of sight, you know, tactically becomes very important. Yeah. You can waste a lot of time trying to launch it in somewhere where you don't have a good view of everything. Yeah. Because it may, it may roll off center, right? So right. So you have to be prepared for that. If if it goes off a certain distance and you still can see it, it makes it much easier to deal with.
1: Yeah. So there's quite. Uh, I won't go through all of the rules because it's easier to just go through the chart really at this point. But there's a number of rules about the different actions and results, as to whether or not in these different FFE sections, oh, whether or not you have line yeah. of sight to the base, and that's the part right, there. or or to the <laughs> or or to the height of the smoke.
0: Yeah, that part always got frustrating for me. Yeah, it was oh okay. Let's see. I got to go back in. And if if this then that if this, right. then that
1: did it land on the side of a hill where part of the fire for effect is going to be on the crest of the hill and part of the fire is going to be behind a building and whether or not you have line of sight and all the units are known or unknown yeah and, and like that and, and it's just easier to go to the chart so we will go to the chart for that part and uh, but the cool thing is when you actually get to apply the fire for effect well you're gonna you're gonna go over the the actual application of the
0: um, I, I do have FFE resolution. Yeah, FFE resolution, which is. Yeah, so let's I hear a little bit of that. that. Yep. Um, rule 1.5 you start with an FFE side one side up. That indicates the explosions from yeah. the first round of the artillery coming in. And after you resolve all that, you flip it over to an FFE two side. Correct? Right. And you resolve that in a prep or a defensive fire phase. You can't do an advancing phase, et cetera. Well, there's movement stuff, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, After the next resolution of the FFE, you go from FFE2 to an FFEC. Jeffrey,
1: question? I have a question. Can I anticipate what you're going to say and ask you a question? You may. When you're resolving an FFE, what exactly does that mean?
0: Oh, all the explosions are blowing up all over the place. So
1: just in the hex where the FFE oh, counter is. Oh, I'm sorry. Is? Yeah,
0: that that would affect the all the hexes around it, around the center, around the counter. Yeah. And uh, so.
1: So it's seven hexes seven really hexes that are
0: that are under effect. in a standard concentration FFE. Yeah. And I'll get into some different types in a, in a little bit. Okay. Now, so you
1: so you actually so if it's like 120 millimeter OBA and yeah. you've You've dropped it in there. You resolve those one at a time? Yeah, individual roll for each hex. Individual roll for each hex. Correct. You use the, the, uh, you just cross reference 120 millimeter on the IFT. Right. And you roll for each hex, including the center hex. Correct. Cool.
0: Yeah, and there's some variables on that we'll get into also. Okay. Now you can cancel this if you want, and sometimes you have an FFE 1 strike an area the enemy moves out if you leave the ffe2 in there but you need to take that building
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that's a problem right so you want to cancel it if the enemy moves out of that area if you need to go into that area yourself okay That's tactically one thing you might want to do now once placed you resolve it at the start of that fire phase as per the advanced sequence of play remember that yeah very strict at the start and it affects all units even friendly so if you drop it on yourself you're taking the shots now, would you like to guess it's some terrain that would n- not be vulnerable to an OBA attack?
1: Um Let's see. Marsh?
0: Uh No. Although it's
1: reduced, I think. Wells? Yeah, it's, I the, think it's reduced Wells in Marsh. Wells is close. They go down to the oh, sewers? sewer. Oh, okay. Know. Sewers. Uh <laughs> Basements? The basements? No, the cellars. Hey, cellars <laughs> is not here. I keep calling it basements. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. The basement of the pillbox.
0: And if you're driving around in a tank, you're
1: you're covered up by armor. If you're buttoned up in an AFV? Yes, buttoned up. Okay. You don't have any effect?
0: Right. Well, the vehicle does, but not the crew. Oh, okay. And certain climbing units, and I said CB11.42 if you care. I don't care. (laughs) Certain climbing units. Certain climbing
1: units. Like goats and stuff like that, yeah, mountain goats. (laughs) (laughs)
0: There's <laughs> a separate title in each hex, as we've said. What I do is I have my opponent point at the hex, and I roll. It really goes fast. Just say, okay, you point at a hex of those seven stars. Of the go. seven, and yeah. you just go you to point You I roll, you point, I roll, you point, yeah. I roll, and you run right through it. And even it's hexes hex devoid of units that are empty because can be f- there's a possibility of fire, shell okay. hole creation. Yep. You can destroy a bridge. A bridge. Mines.
1: An HE attack on a bridge can destroy the bridge. Yeah, Yeah.
0: minefields can be turned up. Oh, I never thought of mines. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fortifications can be eliminated. Yeah. And weapons. uh, And or their effects versus hit initial placement, of course. Right? Right. And field phone cords.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, field phone cords. Field phones. And and cemeteries probably get all messed up. (laughs) Bodies come up. Yeah. And then you've got the zombie yeah, yeah, scenarios yeah. <laughs> from the who is that company? Yeah.
0: <laughs> now if you're entering an FFE during the movement phase, Jeff, do you know what happens to you? You played it
1: recently. You right? gotta take the you gotta take the hit. That's right. You gotta take the hit. Okay. Even if you're if you're in hexes that are under FFE fire. And you want to, and let's say it's your advance phase, uh-huh. and you want to want to advance out of the hex. You got to take the hit, right? Um, Just um, to leave advanced, the hex.
0: Technically, is it advance? It's any movement phase. I wrote. I think it's any. I mo- think it's route. I know it's routing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, as long as that's there. So that's you're kind of you're kind of stuck.
1: Which kind of makes sense. There's a there's Hesh. this all this. Health, fire coming, coming down. You're not going to be moving anywhere.
0: Yeah, and what's interesting is, and I always forget, when you're changing position or becoming more vulnerable within a blast area, you take a hit.
1: Think of that. When you become more, more vulnerable. More vulnerable
0: with less pluses protection, you take a hit. So when you're moving, when you exit a foxhole, oh, right. sure. you take a hit. When you claim wall advantage when you're in a building, so the building's plus three, and you want to go take a wall advantage.
1: Oh, which goes down to a plus two.
0: Yeah, you can just call. I'm I'm taking the wall advantage. Oh, well, then take a hit from the LBA. Oh, yeah. And when you're going up in a building, because you get a bonus for each level above you for protection in a building. So ground level, you're safer than up at the top level. Oh, right, right, right. So if you climb up a level... You take, you a, take hit, a hit, which I never remember that. I'm not sure people often move around up at buildings when when they're an OBA, but that struck me as reading the rules, going, "Oh, wow!"
1: You know, yeah. got that one. And if there's FFE going on and in a building, it affects all the all of the obviously all levels. of the levels of the building. Correct. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now the f- first fire movement open ground and not assault apply in the movement phase only to resolutions. Yeah. And get hit each time you do these things. So you could move up at one level, take a hit, you know, roll an effect against you from the OBA, and move up another level, you got to roll again each time you do them. It does not cause interdiction, though, an FFE. Right. cannot interdict you. Yeah. Now, terrain effect modifier rule, 1.52. Yeah. Um, Not HA, what do I mean by that? Not hull...
1: (laughs) Not hindrance, <laughs> agnostic. <laughs> Honor. No, not A.
0: Height advantage. No height oh. advantage. <laughs> no advantage applies. Okay, because bombs are just falling all around you. Yeah. Crest does not apply. And then for you desert players, if you're in a deer hillock, dune crest, not applicable. Um, hindrances do not affect the blowing up of the bombs around you. Right?
1: right, makes the smoke sense. Isn't yeah, if smoke isn't going smoke
0: that the shrapnel. yep They're not aiming at you. They're just lobbing these bombs in from overhead. Air burst applies at an egg one.
1: Okay, if you're in the woods.
0: Correct. Now, again, when you're in a building, a plus-three building, and there's two levels above you, you add one for each level above you, so it becomes plus five. So it's very hard to affect units in multi-story buildings. Okay. Um, wall advantage, bocage, hedge, you reduce the TEM by one, because the bomb's just falling in randomly. So you may get some, some protection from that hedge, but not the full protection. Yeah. If it lands on the other way. And, you know. And, uh, gun shields, plus one instead of plus two. Okay. Critical hits come up on snake eyes. And if you're, if you're bombing your own guys, your own dudes, fire for effect. Their
1: morale is lowered. Now, yeah,
0: how do they know it's their OBA net? And the they get movie.
1: frowny faces on them. <laughs> well, I remember. Oh, I know how. I know how because in the movies, you always see that. Like the guys are in the foxhole, and you hear the shh. Sh- sh- and oh, go, oh that's can... ours. Oh, they can tell. They can tell by the, the sound. sound. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's coming in, and they probably which do. I'm sure they can do, but yeah, yeah that's always I'm kind of amazed. me. Probably had different sounds. too. Yeah, actually, I'm sure. Yeah, from the, yeah. the way those were
0: done. Now, the exception to that would be heroic or berserk. You don't have to lower your morale for those guys. They don't yeah, care. If it's they don't unworthy. care. They're not, they can't, they don't know anything. And this is an interesting one, if an observer called it on himself, which my friend Matt did once, I'm calling OBA on right here. On himself? Like, on yourself? He's like, sure, because you're me. You were all around him, me yeah. And, you know. Wow. Um, His morale is not lowered. Yeah. I guess it's, it's not raised it's thing, just, just call it on yourself. Yeah. Gets to,
1: yeah. But just for that, just for that leader.
0: Yes, the one who called on himself yeah. down on himself. Now, versus a vehicle, unarmored, you use the unarmored star line on the IFT chart. Okay. And that gives you the number to come up with the kill. So you roll that number or less. There's um, things that happen. Look at your chart that lists, you know, destruction of vehicles chart. Yeah. Armored vehicles, final KIA, will destroy it with a survival for the crew. And less than or equal to half is a, do you know this one?
1: Uh, uh, Shock or stun?
0: No, it's really bad. Less than half of the kill number? Burning wreck. Burning
1: wreck. Oh, oh, less than half. Okay. Less than half. Less than half,
0: yeah. And in that case, there's no crew survival.
1: Okay. And um,
0: interestingly, when you look at the column in the IFT chart for your OBA caliber number, as you said, you know, right. it's an 80, you look at that chart down, you know how it goes, like uh, 3KIA, 2 k one ka K-slash, in the progression, the highest KIA number, like a 3KIA, yeah. would be the most amount of vehicles that can be affected by that resolution. So if you roll on multiple vehicles, you can only affect so many. Based off that number. Oh,
1: okay. Very so there, if there's two AFBs, yeah, in the hex, and there's
0: only a 1K on that list, you cannot affect both. Okay. Which oh, how wow. often does that come up?
1: Uh, probably not too often. <laughs> but,
0: how often do you wow. have two or three vehicles in there yeah. and get hit with an OBA? Yeah. Now, hull down does not matter. Okay. To an OBA, yeah. Or armor factor. So you go to your chart that lists, you go to the blue charts and it's C 1.55 indirect fire versus an armor fighting vehicle IFT die roll modifiers, it lists all armor factors less than or equal to fours minus one to the resolution, open top minus one and plus one for all armor factors greater than or equal to eight and those are the modifiers you use on the resolution versus that vehicle. If you roll one greater than the k number it's an automatic shock for the turret that's what you were thinking earlier yeah and um morale check task checks no effect versus the armor fighting vehicle but could affect exposed crew collaterally as normal and when you hit with an oba the original die roll is used to determine the armor facing right because you're not shooting from the front armor right it's just dropping in yeah and that's you use the original OBA die roll to determine the location of the hit. Now, um, do you think concealment counts versus OBA?
1: No. No. Yeah. Bombs no. aren't
0: really looking at you. Yeah. They're just dropping in randomly, yeah. right? Right. And a high explosive concentration of greater than or equal to seventy millimeters is a two level, as you mentioned, right? Smoke. Right. Thing. And it's a plus one line of sight hindrance. And the hindrance only applies, so you shoot through six, uh, as we said, there's seven hexes.
1: Yeah, the center hex and the
0: six all around. Yeah. Yeah, If you shoot all the way through it, the hindrance modifier is plus
1: one. It's still just plus one, just plus one even right. though you could be going through four hexes, Correct. Three, three, you know, likely three, but yeah. possibly four.
0: Whereas if you just skim one hex on the edge, it's still a plus still a one. one. Yeah, w- so that, it's a one no matter what. That's interesting. I don't get it, but yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. What, so.
1: what happens? Um, I, I don't think I've ever asked this one. What if you're dropping an OBA on a and there's a sniper in one of the seven? Oh, I Snipers don't know. affected. Yeah, probably normally. Well I mean do snipers I mean other than when you do a sniper Oh what is that called when you attack back no the you cannot
0: attack a sniper counter other than another sniper. Okay. Right. Yes. No, it would not be effective. Okay. Hm. You didn't see it in your rereading, right? of the rules? I didn't see it in no, there. No, I didn't it see just it, either, it occurred so to me just now. Yeah, we covered all of it. No, yeah. that doesn't happen. And um a guy can only use one radio at a time. I don't know if that's in your part. It's yeah, that's right. Who, uh, who, when he preps, he's prepped. You, you can't move. Right. You prep with a radio counts as a prep. Yeah. It's not a concealment loss activity. So when your, you know, guys concealed and you're calling, call, using the radio, you don't have to lose your concealment. Okay. It helps him stay hidden. Yeah. There. Some notes on um, vision effects. All hindrances along your line of sight to your artillery request, as you talked about earlier, mm-hmm. all count, and they are cumulative modifiers to the accuracy die roll. So the more pluses, you're not going to be accurate. Okay. Um, offboard observers, you mentioned how they're placed. There's a hex along the edge they designate. Yes. Like hex 8, 6, and it's the third level. And they just designate that as a place to draw a line of sight from When your observer is off the board, so you have no radio on the board, and as you said, it's easier to have the contact. You don't have to worry about that. Right. A fire mission lasts from the chit draw to the next chit draw, so the the OBA explosions are happening the whole time. That's why when you're doing the movements, you're taking the hits. You're taking the
1: hits, right.
0: And there are seven types of OBA. The two we mentioned, the high explosive uh, concentration is one. Right. And the smoke concentration, which hits the seven hexes. Right. Then you get into a harassing fire.
1: Which the smoke is in it. That, that smoke was an interesting one. Yes. Yeah, smoke you can be really from effective because you can blanket you seven can... hexes and blind with people. two levels smoke. Yeah. Or white phosphorus, right? Correct. Uh, white phosphorus
0: yeah. also. Yeah. And, and that's not just a plus one per hex anymore, right? right. Yeah, that's going right. to blind people quickly. Yeah, shooting through that large of a smoke area. Yeah, now you have to call the type fire mission. You have to call the type before um, the accuracy die roll is made. Right. You can't. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't accurate. So I'm going to change it to smoke versus he. Yeah, that's he,
1: reason for expulsion, right,
0: right there. <laughs> that is. Uh, smoke is not applicable. Oh, okay. The normal smoke not applicable rules mud, deep snow, marsh, water obstacles, rain, heavy winds. Okay, and you remove when there's gusts, uh actually you flip the dispersed you remove the dispersed counters of smoke when there's gusts and then you flip the solid smoke over to the dispersed side. Right. You know just pull them all off. Yeah. And if he lands off board, there's no effect. However, interestingly enough so you launch a smoke attack, and it lands off board. Mm-hmm. No effect, except the smoke drifts if there's wind.
1: Oh, if there's wind. I so never you thought, actually I have know. to put a board
0: out there <laughs> yeah. and track it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened to me, but it's right there in the rules. Yeah. Another type of OBA attack is the harassing fire. That's when you call an FFE-1. When it appears on board, it affects two hexes from the center. Oh, okay. Right. So it's a much bigger area. Yes.
1: And Jeff's gonna count up how many hexes?
0: One yeah, when you do that. And it's one third of the firepower though. So it's a big reduction in firepower. Smoke is not applicable to a harassing fire barrage. Well it's not a barrage, I guess a, a OBA attack.
1: Eighteen hexes.
0: Eighteen hexes you can affect at a third firepower. And you use a blue counter show that now to show that it's harassing fire correct which okay. i forgot we I, we just use blue for one nationality and red for the other ah. if, especially if they both have OBA at the same time but apparently the blue counter is supposed to be harassing fire only
1: so that might be useful very useful if there's a lot of guys in open ground correct what if you want to make of... to
0: cross a big open ground yeah. area or you can blanket the exit zone you don't know which way he's going to try and exit but right you can try and Blanket it with some, at least some firepower yeah. at the end rounds. Yeah. So, so tactically, great ideas.
1: Uh, and how does that affect... Is that still a plus-one hindrance to shoot through, do you think? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: And uh, almost lastly here, I have pre-registered fire rule 1.73. Pre-registered fire is only allowed by special scenario rule or do your own,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and only if the observer starts on board or is off-board. So if he starts the game on-board, he can pre-register, call in some fire to a hex. Uh, that means you record greater than or equal to one hex as a pre-registered hex. And an artillery request in that hex allows several things to happen because it's pre-registered. One, you get an extra black chit. Nice. That's yeah,
1: Mathematically, into the deck. Into the deck
0: okay, or bag of chips. Right? Yeah. Chits. Secondly, you don't have to do an SSR, a spawning round. You can immediately place your F if you one Oh, cool. Yeah, you know where it's coming in. Okay. And thirdly, it's accurate on a die roll of four or less. Oh, wow. So the one or less or two or less. Okay. And even if it's inaccurate on a five or six, you have the extent of error. Oh, great. For that. And the last of the rules here in the OBA section are... Um, bombardment and rockets and I'm not going to deal with those. Okay, <laughs> you can see how long bombardment is. Oh yeah. Which is cool. I've done some bombardments, but the main idea is the the it's there's rolling barrage that, yeah, that creeping. rolls ahead of you creeping yes. barrage yeah. there's you know yeah, it's it's much more complicated, but it, you know, you do it all pre-game usually and
1: Maybe we can talk about it. that next time. We we, could. M- we may have Bob with us next time and we also want to do a little Tutorial, yeah, and I think we should actually stop here. And next yeah. time
0: we can look at the OBA flow chart. Yes, walk people through it. Yep, do a tutorial. Yep, and maybe cover barrage rules.
1: Yes, on OBA
0: right. too. That'll
1: give us a great uh, second show. That would be super. People are going to be on the edge of their seat. Well, that was good. I think that should wrap it up for this show. That's a whole lot of ASL good stuff
0: there yeah, for you. A lot
1: of great stuff. Everybody, go out and get your OBA rules. Read through them pick a scenario we'll go, pick a scenario Yep. get your feet wet next time we'll go over the flow chart and do a do a little tutorial and ah oh, it's
0: going to be fascinating well we still have a lot of interviews from the ASL open
1: oh yeah we got a to. lot of stuff <laughs> we have a
0: look at my Passel club that was recorded many moons ago yeah. to get to and we that's just lots to do
1: yeah so. lots to do so if you have some spare time please send it to us <laughs> <laughs> we'd like that better than money um, so I guess that's it. We look forward to hearing from you. Everybody, please write us. Let us know if you're enjoying the show. And if you're not enjoying the show, don't write us. Uh, but thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Remember, right. roll low and rally well.
0: But, <laughs> but not, not when, when you're playing, you're playing us.
1: Thanks for <laughs> Bye-bye. There's a lot of O-M-G. There's a lot of that O-M-G. Oh, okay. Wow stuff later. I can't All wait right. to go blow something up.